And that dude made it his life's work to get Idaho back. And then he got Idaho back, and then he did. He was gone. He retired. Colton Richardson to Jeff Cotton might become the best quarterback wide receiver hero in the nation. Welcome back, Tribe from the North, to the official unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals. I'm your host, Chris, and today I have special guests with me, Sean and Martin from Tubs of the Club. You can find Sean at SK or S. Kramer Writes, and Martin, you can find him at, at Hemi underscore 71. Today we're going to be kind of covering, it's weird, we, we've got a bye week. But we're coming off a big 56-10 to 10 victory over a D2 school. And, yeah, I'm excited to talk to you guys. We're going to be covering a little bit above the uh, president, athletic director, everything like that. That's why we're having these guys on. And I don't know if you guys know this, but we're giving the people what they want. One of the reviews of the podcast on iTunes is it needs more Martin. So, period. <laughs> Yeah, yeah how's how's that feel to know that the people the people are requesting you? Uh, feels good. Even though I know the person that wrote that review said I know who said that. So, uh, well, now they know where we listen. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll get kicking right into it with uh, a kind of a new segment called reading the newspaper or making the headlines. It's kind of going to be covering all the other vandal activities going on since this is a total vandal podcast. So the soccer team over the weekend actually had a draw against UC Riverside zero zero. The goalkeeper, Michaela Presgrave, did so well getting seven saves. She actually was a co-vandal player of the week. Uh, and then the volleyball team was in Hawaii for the Outrigger tournament. And they did lose again which uh, to Portland, which booted them from the tournament. But uh, they have a couple games this week, and then I believe they're off to another tournament. And the other big news is that the Idaho Vandals actually crawled back into the Hero Sports Top 25. Moving up five spots to number 23 this week. So we're, we're officially ranked again, guys. Moving on up. We're moving on up. Nowhere else to go but the top. We're going to get right into kind of the, the content of this, this podcast. We have a lot of actually hashtag TATCs to get to, which will keep make this bye week actually have, have a bit of content for everybody. First off, thoughts, new uniforms. What do you guys think? The, uh, the white helmets don't go well with black on black. <laughs> When I saw uh, when I saw they they were gonna do like the white helmets, I was thinking like, oh, they're gonna ice everybody and just get the whole all white, which would have been cool. But uh, it was cool that it, but it didn't use it for a different. Usually, would have used a different top jersey and pants. But I mean, I guess they gotta try out all the new, gotta cut off all the new things when you first get them. That's true. Although I just don't get why you wouldn't break out like you said the the white jerseys when we were away last week for all whites, or you know the, the white helmets when we were all white, but. I guess we could have done a wide out in the dome. That actually probably would have been pretty fun. But uh, I don't know. Maybe they got it down the line. I actually thought the jerseys were kind of weird because it looks like they were meant for all of our helmets. Like how the, the lettering was like yellow, but then the collar almost looked like it's that gray. I don't know if you guys noticed that. I know, Martin, you were at the game, so you might have had a better it look. Looks, it looked, the, the, the numbers were white, which was kind of which was weird, but it looked it was kind of cool. At least you was able to see them with my not-so-good vision, which was kind of nice. But, uh, I mean, they were like – it was like the collar being gray just was a little was a little weird. Didn't hey, I'm, I'm always pro-new uniform, and I kind of called this when – the Vandals changed all their logos to white, so are the Summers. I was like, I think there's something coming. And I, I don't know who, I don't know if it was the U of I or the Vandal football page or Twitter, but somebody said, we've always had all whites. And I was like, no, we don't have white helmets. And then they just kind of gave me like a dot, dot, dot. And sure enough, here they did, they, they rolled out with it, 
which then I need to give uh, Taylor Cash at Idaho Grown T Cash a little a little credit. Last week we actually did have asked TATCs, but we missed one. Said, what uniform combination will the Vandals be wearing at home this week? All whites? Question mark. So uh, he he was on it and uh, actually actually guessed the the uniforms. He he gets a little bit of a call out there for uh, or being spot on, and then he also went on to say. Um, we want to know how many touchdowns we thought Colton Richardson would throw throw for. He thought a Baker's dozen. He's only four off. Still a good game from them. Good good game for the offense and stuff, though. All right. Okay. Time to review Western New Mexico. Anybody, uh, I guess, any, Sean, you're a former journalist. Do you have a headline for this game if you were still writing for the Argonaut or Moscow Pullman or any any of the papers? What would your headline be? Uh, I probably mentioned uh, a little bit more stability at quarterback. You know, we still used Mason a lot, but there was less of the, uh, you know, Mason takes two plays and then Colton comes in for one and then Mason comes in for one and Colton comes in for two. And, th- and that, that was absolutely ridiculous. There was a little bit more stability in this game and the offenses were more tailored toward each quarterback. Colton was chucking it down the field and Mason got to do a little option. Mason got to run the football a little bit. Um, and so the offense was tailored to the strengths a little bit. And obviously the level of the opponent was one reason, but that was also another reason that the offense looked much better this week. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I agree having the two quarterbacks get actual series instead of like you mentioned the, the snaps here and snaps there and just kind of interrupting the whole rhythm of the game. I think the coaching staff did a, a much better job of keeping them kind of as hot as they could when you're trying to do a two-quarterback system. Obviously, I don't think it was perfect, but uh, to everybody that listened to the podcast last week, I mean, they did what I listened to. They got the same amount of pass attempts. So, in theory, it was supposed to separate them. If you look at the stats, I don't think it does, but uh, we'll, we'll kind of cover a little bit more into the quarterbacks. But, I mean, as far as the team goes and everything, I, I think it, it's kind of what we talked about last week on the podcast with TJ, that these first two games didn't really mean anything. I and mean, we were practically back to where we started. We got blown out by Fresno State and we dropped a bit. And then we come back and we win this game against Western New Mexico. And now we're right about where a hero and the coaches polls and the stats polls and everybody had us. And our, our season doesn't really start until we play UC Davis week four. And I, that's kind of where I'm at. And I, I know it was a good game. There's a lot to take away. That's kind of where, where I sit at it. Martin, you, what, do you, what were your thoughts and takeaways from the game? Kind of my thoughts were like they kind of started a little like slower than I would have liked, kind of only being, I think it was 21 10 at half. Yeah. But, uh, it was kind of like kind of like the headline if I was to kind of, I don't know, kind of make a deal you were going to probably maybe say, but uh, Vandals preseason is over. Now the now the, now the the regular season begins in two weeks. Yeah, I, I agree with that. My key to the game last week was find your quarterback. You know, we've got a week in between, but I mean, I'm kind of curious. What do you, what do you guys think? What did you see? Quarterback wise, I mean, if you had to make the call without this, if we're playing UC Davis on Saturday instead of a bye week, obviously we got things can happen in the meantime. But from these first two games, who who you rolling out starter UC Davis? It's it's man, we're we can't be biased, but it's it's Colton. I mean, all due respect to, to to Mason's stat line, a lot of his numbers are coming up with yak. I mean, yeah. uh, his. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His touchdown pass. I mean, it was a solid little pass uh, over the middle, but there wasn't a lot of zip on it. And 
and the receiver did most of the work. You know, credit to Mason for being accurate and getting the ball there. But in terms of, I mean, both of Colton's touchdown passes were very impressive. Yeah. I mean, the first one was just stepping up in the pocket and chucking it down the field, down the right sideline, and hitting the receiver perfectly in the back corner of the end zone for the first touchdown. And then the second touchdown, oh, my, I mean, it's – How many times did you watch that second touchdown, Sean? A lot, (laughs) man. It was – it was avoiding pressure. It was literally being tackled, but him saying, get off me. And then he's rolling out. So he's moving in the pocket. He's got pocket awareness. And then he, once he shakes the dude off, he rolls off to the left, squares himself up again, and then, bam, hits David Unger in the end zone for a touchdown, in the front corner of the end zone for a touchdown. I mean, everything about that – was poise, was maturity, and and it's the physical advantage that the, he has over Mason Petrino. That I mean, you just uh, all due respect to Mason. You know, Mason would have been sacked on that play. Yeah. He's 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 five eight and Colton's six three, uh, and, and Colton's got got some more beef on him. I'm just super upset. I tried all all week, so the Hero Sports guys listen. I was hashtagging Play of the Week and adding them. All Saturday on Facebook or on Twitter, and didn't even make their their list for like top. I did even have like eight plays this week for top plays in the FCS. I counted like at least four plays that this was hands down better than. So I'm I'm a little upset at them for not not giving us a look. But uh, I I think if we play Colton at quarterback, I mean we're gonna we're gonna have more chances down the line for plays like that. Colton Richardson to Jeff Cotton might become the best quarterback wide receiver duo yeah. in the nation. Those two when they connect are just huge touchdown plays. Oh yeah. Well and I was just I, I I just want to bring up the game that David Unger had as well. And and that Colton I mean David Unger literally played with Mason Petrino in high school. I mean they have they have high school rapport, but it was it was Colton linking up with David on that play. I mean and they're developing some chemistry too. So uh that's uh, another reason that I I would I would go with, with Colton. And I love the fire when Colton scores too. He's always like one of the first guys down there, even though they're long bombs to go celebrate with his wide receiver and he gets right in their face. And they, I mean, there's so much emotion. He's wearing it on his sleeve. And, I mean, Mason's not pretty fired up on his running touchdown too, but I mean, Colton, God, he looks like a leader. Out there. I think both quarterbacks have, have some of that, but I mean, the fact that, that Colton's a little, a little younger, a little less experienced. Um, yeah. I mean, there's really not a, a lot to not like uh, about Colton. I mean, obviously he's got some accuracy issues to work out. He's really got to develop his touch because there's a lot of throws that he's going to overthrow, but that's, that's quarterback development. I mean, that that's, that's working on mechanics as developing a quarterback and that's Paul Petrino's MO. He's got to be able to do that. I know. I don't know if you guys caught, do you guys see Paul Petrino's comments after the game or I might've been an interview on Sunday about kind of that them kind of being like the three amigos him, obviously Mason and Colton. Really? <laughs> well, well, he's kind of saying, um, and I haven't actually found the story yet. I've just been, you know, hearing from some people that he was asked a question kind of about the quarterback situation. He said, you know, fans, the media, a lot of people have it out for us. They don't like us. They don't like me. They don't like you. Uh, so the three of us, it's super important that we stick together. And I just want it, like Sean kind of said at the beginning, Everything we say on here is, is totally our opinion. We're not the coaching staff. We don't know anything. And, I mean, Sean, you've pretty much 
written articles about how Katrina was around for the long haul. And I've been a big supporter and, you know, have, have stood behind Paul just because we're, we're criticizing him. I just don't want anyone to have misconstrued it, that, you know, we don't like Paul Petrino or, or Mason or Putin. Like, I just want to. That's just coach speak. I mean, that, that, that's that's coach speak. Any anything that's written in the media, you know, he's Paul Petrino especially is is is, is pretty sensitive to a lot of that yeah. stuff. I mean, when he first got here, uh, if in 2013, if I asked anything like that, even perhaps came close to to criticizing or questioning one of his decisions, uh, you know, that that would trigger him off. He. Uh, he screamed at me in a press conference because I questioned the policy that he had that Chad Chalich wasn't allowed to slide or go out of bounds. Chad Chalich was chronically injured that season because of that that policy. Um, Paul's gotten a little better. He's he's grown up. He he's he's realized the role of the media and the role of the coaches. But you know, I mean, that, that's 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 typical coach speak for 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 Paul. So if we're gonna criticize Mason, if we're gonna criticize. You know Paul's decision to play him. He's going to take that personally, but you know what? Good, good, good for Paul. I mean, if that kind of helps keep Mason focused and, and playing well, then then uh, I'm I'm not bothered by it. Yeah, I just you know I I like all three of them. I, I got no gripes against any of them. So when I when I heard that, I was like, man, I hope they never listen to one of these. And I'm like, we're out to get them. I know you know it's we're just kind of trying to figure out the quarterback situation and maybe give you a nudge in the right direction. That's all. Yeah. Any, I mean, God, what a Sean, uh, Martin, what, how long, I know Sean has his on top of his head. How long was it since our last kick return, return for touchdown? 2014? I know, I know exactly the game. It was 2012 at Louisiana Tech. It was Todd Hanley bringing the kick back. We lost something like, I want to say 70 to 21. And that was Rob Akey's last game as that home football coach. So Paul Petrino has never had anybody house one. And yet – No, have, Paul Petrino has never had anybody house one. So then we have the Pullman Boy house one. Then we have Christian Ellis block one, and it's returned for a touchdown all in the same game. I, It was so nice, I think, after how Fresno State turned out with our special teams, how that kind of played out for us, how we had a really good special team game there at the end and then I guess I mean any there's so many takeaways I mean you have any you guys have any other takeaways I mean anything on the defense the special team anything like that this kind of like my general thing was it was kind of it was kind of like I'd say kind of this game was kind of like right with the doctor ordered I'd say mm-hmm. just kind of after having the down we down game of Fresno State you come back and slaughter a d2 school and it was kind of right what Put me back at ease going into Big Sky play. Oh, yeah. I mean, the one thing I do want to see that uh, still makes me nervous is uh, I think Cake Coffee is a pretty good kicker. You know, if it's in the fourth quarter and, and we're down six against UC Davis and we need a field goal, I'm still not sure how much confidence I have in the unit to be able to execute a, a field goal. We didn't really get to see that this game. Obviously, we didn't have an extra point blocked, so that was good. I'm really still a little bit worried about the field goal unit, so hopefully extra points were, were enough to give that unit confidence going into UC Davis, you know, because we're going to be in, in, a, in a handful of tight games in conference play. Yeah, and I mean, my, my thing that's worrying me, kind of like you, I mean, still don't have a turnover cause. Our turnover differential did not change this game. Uh, we did not give the ball over at all, but we also 
still have not intercepted the pass and we've not forced a single fumble. There was one that you're going to get it on. You would think Western New Mexico might, especially when the backup came in there late, maybe you're going to be able to get one. But a little thing, and it could totally change against UC Davis. We could have four interceptions and two fumbles, you know. But, you know, just something that I've noticed two games in. And then I'd also say, dude, I want I love Isaiah Saunders. He, I mean, he's he's one of my my top guys on the team. But Jack Bamett, man, that guy might need a little bit more look. He only had six carries, but he looked good. And all his like every play we did, it just looked like he knew the assignment perfectly, whether it be block or the passing, or like the route out of the backfield. I was really impressed by Bamis. And because I haven't seen him that much, I keep having to go look him up on the roster. Like, who is that? And I keep going, God, it's Jack Bamis again. That was a takeaway for me too. I mean, he only ended up finishing with six carries, not a lot on the stat sheet, but. I finished with more average yards than Isaiah Saunders, so I, I'd like to see a little bit more of him. Yeah, I'd like to see more from Bamis, too. I Just kind of from what I saw at the game was he wasn't going down. He was kind of – he was not going down easy at all. He was fighting for every single inch of – and just every single yard he could get trying to stay up and get his – just get as much as he could out of him. Now it's a, it's time to pick our, our players of the game, and it could be okay if we all pick the same ones, but uh, if you, you, you guys were up, whose club card day is it? Who was the player of the game? David Unger. Just the game he had. Just the nine receptions, 118 yards, one receiving touchdown, and one punt return touchdown, I think it was. And, it, and a ton of yards and kick return, too. It was – kind of, was, that's what I saw that stood out for the – yeah, me at the game. Yeah, I mean, I can't, you can't argue it. Uh, my player of the game, uh, I would probably uh, agree that it was David Unger. Um, you know, it's a, it's a very inexperienced receiver core, too, now that David Unger is kind of uh, uh, the papa of the group. And so for him to kind of come up and have a big game when we needed it, when we needed a big blowout win, yeah, I'm going to go with David, too. All right. Well, perfect. Uh, we're all in agreement. Uh, if, if it was up to us, we would give you a club card day, but that's not how it works, David. But uh, congratulations. Vandal Player of the Week and Tubbs at the Club, Club Card Day of the Week. Now we're going to get into the nitty-gritty kind of stuff, the stuff that really – I'm assuming Sean might, might be the lead hoarder on this, but I did my fair share of research, and I'm sure Martin put in, put in some hours. We got three major vacancies that are going to affect the University of Idaho's athletics, from Big Sky Commissioner, University of Idaho's president, which obviously is bigger than just athletics, and then the University of Idaho's athletic director. So uh, we'll start Big Sky Commissioner. Anybody kind of got any names they'd like to see or anybody, you know, they they think might get the job? Carl. Yeah. No, it's not going to be Carl. <laughs> Carl Benson. Yeah, I had Burn. him in my first one. It's the love of God. <laughs> not Carl. Ugh. The, the the Big Sky Conference uh, vacancy is fascinating uh, because Doug Fullerton, Doug Fullerton had that job for 20 years. I yep. mean, the, the Big Sky, uh, when he was in the Big Sky, it had school. I mean, we're talking, that was the day of Nevada, uh, Boise State, Idaho, obviously, you know, um, that conference – a handful of schools in the Mountain West were were in in the Big Sky Conference. I mean, and then that was uh, he kind of took over when the whole FCS to FBS movement started, um, and obviously Idaho was part of that. 
but he really changed the, the 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 face of that conference. I mean, he's the one he brought in North Dakota. He brought in Southern Utah, Cal Poly, UC Davis as football only. He brought in Northern Colorado, and then he's the one who brought in Sac State and Portland State, I believe, uh, near the the beginning of his the beginning of his tenure. Um, and then he also saw Nevada leave, Boise State leave. He saw Idaho leave, um, and then Idaho came back. And this is this is fascinating because now Andrea Williams was only here for what <laughs> three years. Uh, I'm not sure how important it is to get like an aggressive commissioner because there's I don't know how much conference realignment movement there's going to be in the SES level now, especially because there's only so many teams in the Western United States, and if if the Mountain West expands, they're probably going to expand east. Uh, by taking like a conference USA school, so I'm not sure how important it is to have like an aggressive commissioner like Doug Fullerton, um, who obviously brought in a handful of schools and who basically made it his life's work to get Idaho back. I mean, um, that guy would pick up his cell phone when I called him as a student reporter because he wanted to get his pro big sky propaganda out there to anybody who would listen. And that dude made it his life's work to get Idaho back. And then he got Idaho back, and then he did. He was gone. He retired. Really, the stability will be maybe you look at one member to replace North Dakota's spot. But other than that, I mean, this conference is in a great place geographically, member-wise, academically-wise with its institutions. Uh, really, you just need to bring in somebody who's, who's going to keep the stability, keep the peace, and, and be diplomatic, as opposed to aggressive like Dick Fullerton. Probably said all the right things. I don't really know that much about Andrea. Like, the list Williams on that much. But, I mean, Sean kind of hit the head on what we need to look for, probably, in a big sky commissioner. Yeah, so I, I've got a couple options, then. So, if you're kind of talking what, what Sean's talking, and this is kind of a weird one, I think Lynn Hickey, who's currently the athletic director at Eastern, I have kind of read up a lot on her. I kind of like her passion. She was at the University of Texas San Antonio forever. I don't know how well maybe an athletic director transitioning to that kind of role. I think she also also just got hired as their athletic director uh, uh, this year. I mean, they had, uh, oh, Bill, Bill Chance. Uh, was their athletic director for the longest time. Um, yeah, and, and and Lynn Hickey just just got that job. Um, yeah, I mean, I I, I, would, I would definitely like it to be an in-house type of big sky hire. I think I think they kind of went out and got Andrea Williams, which is fine. But now, I mean, that Idaho is is is, is firmly a member. I mean, I honestly think Idaho bring so much to the table to this conference that now they have to just be looking at stability. And the one good thing that Doug Fillerton did a really good job of was keeping Montana and Montana State. I mean, Carl Benson, when he was the commissioner of the WAC, he came to half of the big sky and offered them offered them a spot in the WAC. Uh, I think Montana, Montana State, Eastern might have been one of them, um, you know, with stadium upgrade caveats, maybe like Northern Arizona, but uh, Doug Fullerton kept them all. And so you just need another commissioner who will do that. And, yeah, I, I agree with you, Chris, that it, an in-house type of big sky hire would be good. I guess then my other, the, the devil's advocate side, right? I mean, I'm going to lean more on this side that I'm about to explain. So I don't know how many people are familiar with Rob Spears' little pipe dream he had that when the next round uh, – I, I don't want to say tears. dream. Yeah, but the, the tiered system of the old former big, you know – 
top six conferences so, yeah, would, breaking into their own thing, and then kind of the Mountain West Conference USA being their own. It would be, and then kind of like a number thing, and then he had a weird thing where he thought maybe the top half of the Big Sky could be its own. Well, you know, so so the tier system is Power Five is Tier One, um, and then. G5 or Group 6? Yeah, and maybe even, like, a top G5, like AAC, and then a handful of, like, the Mountain West, the schools would be part of the Tier 1. So, like, even if, you know, say, the Mountain West isn't Tier 1, well, Colorado State and Boise State would be Tier 1. And then you have, like, the lower G5, so it would be, like, Sunbelt, MAC, and then upper... Upper FCS would also be in that. So the MAC and the Sun Belt would be in the same tier as the Missouri Valley Football Conference and the Big Sky. Rob was always adamant that Idaho firmly belonged to Tier 2 uh, with the other G5s, you know, with, with like the Sun Belt level schools and stuff. And then Tier 3 might be like the SWAC and the Ivy League. And then like elite D2 schools might ch- jump up to like Tier 3. And that was the tier system, um, and that hinges entirely upon on Power Five schools deciding that they just want their own money. Yeah, and that that you bridged in perfectly for me. I don't know how much you guys have been paying attention this season, but the national championship resides at a group of five with the UCF Knights. If you watch any of the American Conference advertisement, it is they are saying the Power Six. They are officially trying to say that conference with a lot of similar teams is heavily considered a powerhouse. In the right line, knows UCF would have never won the national championship last year. What I really like what the American Conference is doing, they could go after their commissioner. But I think they could go after Donna DeMarco, associate commissioner of just football. I really like how they're making that push. And if that tiered system was to become a thing, I think these are the people that could get it done. Speaking of, they're trying – it's something that isn't being considered tiered to push that conference back into the conversation, but maybe being considered a power six. Now, whether it is or not is a whole different discussion, but I like that kind of drive and the fact that I think the big sky could do a little bit of thinning out and maybe becoming two different conferences. I think 13 is a little bloated. Uh, I think a lot of the powerhouse teams like Eastern is extremely upset they don't play Montana. I think a lot of kind of the players in this league would prefer not to have to play the Northern Colorado or maybe even the Northern Arizona, Cal Poly, where if you can kind of get the Northwest bubble going, I, I can see a lot of people being happy with that. Obviously, it would require a couple other schools like maybe CSU Pueblo, Central Washington, maybe a couple other California schools to come up so you can actually have another Western conference. Yeah, I would. But I really think if you got the Western American tiered thing was to happen yeah yeah well you could you could talk about uh contraction even without like the tier system because yeah 13 is an odd number um we have 11 full members so you know basketball soccer 11 and then 13 football members uc davis and cal poly are football only you could drop uc davis and cal poly for football and then drop honestly portland state (laughs) because uh the state of their football program facilities are aren't they getting kicked out of that timber stadium yeah they are they're playing at a high school stadium but i mean also they are building a new basketball facility and geographically i mean they're located really well i think it's more likely because uc davis and cal poly add a lot football quality wise um 
it's more likely you expand. And then I wouldn't mind if we expand back to 14, you know, when you replace uh, North Dakota with that. I don't think it'll be Central Washington because their facilities are just god off. And, I mean, there's nothing in Ellensburg. Like, come on. I mean, yeah, like maybe a school in Colorado or something. Back to 12 all sports members and then 14 football members. And then, yeah, you can split it into uh, two divisions and have a champion. Have a, I don't know if you could do this in the SES. You can't have a championship uh, game. You, you can, but only if your conference isn't eligible for the playoffs. That's I think ridiculous. Not like that. Well, even that even whole... you, we could still split it into two divisions, just kind of scheduling wise. Um, so yeah. Portland State, Idaho Eastern, Montana, Montana State, Idaho State, uh, Weaver State, North, and then the Colorado school with Northern Colorado, Southern Utah, Northern Arizona, Cal Poly, Sac State, UC Davis. Yeah, I agree. And, and then you play everybody in your division, so that's six games, and then you have. Was it eight conference games, and then you have two, and then you cross over twice. I, I think that's that's the way to do it. Whoever comes in, good idea. But this is thirteen teams isn't working. Um, but now it's something a little bit more close to home, and also I found kind of be a little bit harder than the other one. Who do you want? Because this one totally has a big say on who's going to be the athletic director. Uh, the presidency will be opening up soon. Any candidates or ideas you think who people who might be great or anything you've heard? I mean, this 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 conversation is a little exhausting because it's just like I just want someone who's gonna stay. <laughs> uh, Dwayne Ellis uh, stayed a good handful of years, um, but then he dipped out of nowhere. Out of nowhere, he just dips for Texas Tech. Uh, and I remember being in the Argonaut newsroom, and we're all about to leave on Friday. And then it is just, he, he just chopped a mass email. And we're just like, what the? What? And she's like, hey, guys, I'm leaving for Texas Tech. Thanks for everything. Bye. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then, obviously, he left this mess uh, for Stamen. Um, You know, Nellis was part of the press conference that, you know, announced. Hey, we're going to go independent. Uh, and then... Uh, um, you know, we're we're gonna go back to the big sky for the other sports. So, <laughs> uh, Martin, you got any thoughts on the presidency or anybody you'd like to see take the helm? I don't know. Like the only thing I can maybe think of is maybe go maybe unique and maybe try go for like a bunch of maybe try like find like a young person that might either might not stay here long or just give them or just find like go go young and maybe go look for somebody that's like looking to make looking to become a school president for the first time. That's kind of like that's like. That's what I was. That's that's kind of my thought for the whole president thing. Just find maybe find a young person that's maybe wants to try be, go being a school president is the next step for them. I, I appreciate your campaign. I've already sent my resume to state board education. Don't worry. But no, uh, I I found if if you're gonna hire externally, I think that Marvin Henberg from College of Idaho might be nice because it's a private school. You know, it's not appointed by the state board of education, so it is something that they could offer him. I don't, I don't know what the pay difference would be between C of I, but I think what's happened over C of I and even the last decade, let alone the last five years, has been really escalated in everything, academic enrollment. Huge growth. Huge program. growth at the College of Idaho, athletically even, too. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's an easy one. It's in-state. Someone that knows Idaho knows kind of how to obviously attract kids to College of Idaho. State board go, hey, 
know, what would it take? But then the guy I really want to see, and I don't know where he's at anymore or how we could do it, but Mario Reyes, the former dean of the business school, is one of the smartest people I think I've ever met. He had been in Idaho for years, and I know he's he's got a decent bit of interest in sports, but, I mean, obviously Idaho has a phenomenal business school, and he was a part of that, the whole process of it. I think academically-wise, business-wise, and sports-wise, I mean, and the fact that, I mean, I, I think he'd be a phenomenal hire. I just don't know what it would take to get him in because I believe he's retired. So I don't know what you would take to have him decide he wants to go back to work for an even more stressful job than he had. But I think if you could get him, that would be my A-plus candidate to, to take the title. But obviously, the president is going to have some say, actually all the say, on the athletic director position that's currently open, but we have an interim acting athletic director. Any thoughts on the AD position? I, really I, 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 I wouldn't mind. Uh, you know, this is definitely a, an addition for Pete Isaacson. Um, I think there has been a lot of young talent in this athletic department. And obviously we've seen a great handful of it leave for Washington State University. Um, you know, but this will be an addition in kind of adverse circumstances for, for Pete, you know, uh, kind of, and obviously he doesn't have a lot of say over like hiring coaches and stuff um, because there's not a ton of openings right now. But I mean, the way that he handles marketing, the way that he handles the, the public relations, the way that, uh, you know, he handles uh, outreach and, and kind of getting uh, ICCU arena past the finish line, um, the way that he handles these things. Uh, I mean, there's, there's, uh, there was kind of, uh, you know, some pushback on his, Oh, you know, we, uh, we, our season tickets are up this year. And uh, I think obviously there's a lot of um, kind of asterisks behind that. If, if it's true or ticket sales are up, I think he said, it might not have been season tickets. Um, and that might have been, oh, well, that's because like 4,000 Montana fans are going to come to that game. The way that he handles a lot of these situations, I think, should give him an opportunity to get that job. But if it's not Pete Isaacson, I kind of want what Martin wants for the presidency. I want someone young. I mean, I want to go grab someone from a Pac-12. You know, actually go get someone from Washington State. I mean, let's, let's finally, instead of everyone going from Idaho to Wazoo, Let's get someone to come from Wazoo to Idaho. You know, someone who's Pac-12 scene. Get someone from Oregon. Get someone from UW. Someone who's young, who's never been an athletic director, and who has something to prove. In terms of athletic director, that needs to be a position that is a stepping stone. I mean, if we get, if we get someone who uses Idaho as a stepping stone, and he successfully does it, then that means he's leaving Idaho in a better place than it was before. Him or her. Could be a her. Yeah. And yeah, a lot of schools are hiring her. And I wouldn't be surprised for one of them. Uh, but yeah, I agree. If you create it as a stepping stone job, and it becomes notoriously known as a stepping stone job, so the best people are going to be attracted to it in the future. However, I do think I like consistency. Uh, I do think Pete Isaacson, I mean, him being, putting his master's degree from U of I, living in Moscow and spending the last 15 or 20 years or whatever in the Peace area huge i don't think he would go anywhere and i will say he actually i already got my thank you letter like generic one from the athletic department for and just the other day i received another secondary letter from him saying thank you for the donation 
So, uh, but I, it was just that little extra thing. He goes, you know what? You you went from someone that was like, no, wait and see to at least a positive step forward in my mind and being proactive and like actually thanking people and the fact that he was brought in originally to the revenue generation. Uh, I see why he was now. It, it, I feel more confident in the decision they brought him in. And I would be okay seeing him maybe get that position full time. But like I said, we got we got some time for that to be screwed up. So I'm not going to set my sights on him. There's a couple other, uh, Tim Mooney's another guy who's been there for a while. That might be worth it. But once again, not, not a young option. I kind of like your guys' idea. And then just kind of an off the ball one, like I found for all the other positions. Uh, Ken Cavanaugh from Florida Gulf Coast University. Uh, that's another school that I think is really on the up and up. So maybe not him, but somebody else young in their department, maybe. That's an athletic department that almost no one had heard of at a young school with young athletics. It's made a lot of noise recently, at least in the basketball scene. But a lot of people want our basketball team to step up. So I don't, I don't think that would be a bad hire. The, the hard part would just be getting somebody from Florida Gulf Coast to come up to Idaho. But uh, that might be one of the places I would go look for young Zaga. I don't know if I'd do Wazoo just because the instant that position opened, I could see someone jumping ship. I think there's some programs that you could find some young talent, like you guys said, in the area. That's not a bad idea. I haven't even thought of that. But uh, I, I, I think you guys might have hit this one more than I did. I, I like it. Um, of course, we know that what, wax party pants would be perfect for all. But this question was actually <laughs> – brought to us by him a couple weeks ago and we're finally addressing it just because we knew it was going to be pretty long-winded and with the bye week it gave us an opportunity to be long-winded uh but that takes the end of all the openings unless anybody else has any closing remarks (laughs) so we're going to get to all our ask patcs and hey i just want to say thank you to everybody out there for uh we got this is the biggest week we've had for Ask PATC, and it all started with uh, our fan votes where we asked who do you think will start next uh, two weeks against UC Davis. We had 91 votes. The final results were 75% of the voters thought that Colton Richardson will start. I try to emphasize will instead of should, but um, maybe that many people think will is the answer. 22% thought Mason Petrino. 1% thought Nick Hill Nair, and 2% thought Dane Kaiser, the walk-on freshman from So, you know, uh, maybe I've been pumping up the wrong freshman quarterback. Maybe Dane Kaiser is the answer, according to the Tubs at the Club fans out there. But we do have a couple of questions. First one comes from Brian Marsu. That's at Brian Marsu. He said, how do you think a UC Davis fan should feel headed into the game against Idaho in a couple of weeks and why? Hashtag PA. Confident? I think yeah. being a UCDS fan, I'd say probably being confident being that they beat San Jose State and Idaho didn't do well against Fresno State and they did what they should against Fresno and they did, did what they should against Western New Mexico. And like we've been saying, like Idaho's season is really starting really starting against the, against them. So I feel like they should be – they should feel pretty confident that they should be able to hang with Idaho and potentially even maybe win it. Yeah, my, my point on this one would be I think, Brian, you might have asked this question a week early. Let's see how they get through number nine Stanford first. They could get pretty banged up and pretty deflated coming in off that game. I actually am thinking that might help us out a bit, the fact that they've got to go to Paul Alto. It isn't necessarily far for them, but, I mean – that's a top 10 team in the country. 
and looks like maybe one of the only hopes for the Pac-12 to have a shot at a national championship this year. I don't think it's going to be pretty for him. After playing an FBS team two weeks ago, playing a really tough FCS squad last year or last week that gave the FCS or the Big Sky a lot of problems last season, I could see them maybe getting a little off for us after the Stanford game. So I I would like to answer this next week after I, I see if their quarterback's still healthy and all that after Stanford. But right now, yeah, if everything considered, I think Martin was spot on. I think it was pretty, pretty, uh, I mean, they have the better resume right now. And that's, that's just the fact of the matter. Yeah. I mean, I, they should feel, they, they, they should expect to win that game. I mean, I think they're ranked. Um, they're at home. It's, literally our first conference game in 20 years. Um, I I think they should expect to win, maybe be a little nervous because maybe they don't know fully what to expect. I think we don't even know how good Idaho is. No. We got blown out. We got blown out by a pretty good Mountain West team, and we blew out a pretty bad D2 team. So uh, I don't know how good we are. I don't think UC Davis knows how good we are. But, I mean, they're at home and they're ranked. Um, they, they should expect to win that game. And if we lose by, like, a touchdown, I'm not sure how surprised I would be or even disappointed I would be. Yeah, and like Martin said at the, in the headline part of this, I mean, our season really starts. These first two games in the last game are just – the last game will be warm-up, try some stuff before the playoffs, hopefully. And these first two games are to get ready. Our season is the Big Sky Conference. You know, at this point, with the two losses, we're going to have to probably get through it with only one loss. I'm sorry, the two losses, in in assuming we lose the sport, I should say. We're going to have to get through it with the big sky with probably one loss to really have a safe shot at it. So this is our real season. Everything else to this point at the end is just to hopefully get us ready for the playoffs. So, yeah, UC Davis is our first test. We'll know so much more about this team. After uh, next question, uh, and I will say he asked us a lot of other great questions um, the last couple of weeks. It's just going to get on them out. Uh, talking Vandal fans off the ledge. Once again, I think we're, no one should be on the ledge until after we see how these first couple conference games go. And then what the anticipated attendance is going to be for the game or what our responses were to the podcast, talking to alums. And just kind of everything we know um, from the strategy of beating the FBS. I don't know if anyone has any insider tracks on, I mean, obviously I think it's pretty well documented about a lot of FBS backers still have not seen. Um, they're, they're trickling back in. I, I feel it's kind of the general question we have comes from our friends at FCS fans nation at FCS underscore fans underscore nation hashtag hashtag ask How does Idaho contain Keelan Doss? who is looking to bounce back after a not-too-impressive performance against San Diego. The great ones don't stay down for multiple games. For those that don't know, Keelan Dox is probably one of the top players in the conference, wide receiver for UC Davis. probably get drafted. you have any thoughts on uh, how we're planning on containing Mr. Dox? Well, I'm not sure that we're going to be able to do it very well. Um, Hope. Uh, luckily, we have a very experienced uh, corner in Dorian Clark. I mean, I feel like he's been with the program forever. Uh, I think he was in – jeez, I feel like he was in Paul Petrino's second recruiting class. Um, 
Um, and Dorian Clark um, is athletic. He's big. He's physical. Although I'm sure this kid is is probably more athletic than Dorian Clark. Um, and even Jaden Ellis is, is is pretty solid in terms of coverage uh, on the inside with intermediate routes. But really, it'll be what we've seen. Idaho's given up a ton of chunk yardage. Um, but it's going to be how, how we deal with it when they get into the red zone. We'll determine how well um, our scoring defense is. So I'm not sure that we're going to be able to do it very well, but luckily we do have a good amount of experience. You know, Jordan grabs um, nickelback safety. Um, so there's a lot of experience in the secondary. So if we're going to, it's going to be because of that. Yeah, I'd kind of say the same thing. It's just maybe use Dorian. It's like we might not be able to stop him, but use like your, your better players like your Dorian Clarks and maybe even Caden Ellis to kind of help say lessen the blow he might he might have against us. Yeah, I mean I think a guy like that is not it's one of those guys where you know he's gonna get his plays. Um, he's kinda like David Unger was for us last week. That was his week where David Unger looked bad. I mean if we're gonna be honest with Fresno State, he did not look good. But knowing him, you knew he was going to bounce back. That was probably his one game this year that he doesn't play to his capabilities. So Keelan Doss is going to bounce back. I just think that we're better set with Curtil Haywood, Jeff Cotton, and David Unger, that maybe those three are able to match him in production. And then it just comes down to I think our defense is better than their defense. And if we're going to get a win out of that game, I think it's just going to be our three guys are going to have to outproduce him. I think he's their only real weapon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, next question coming from John Mortensen at JP Mort one How does Coach Petrino's teams done – how have Coach Petrino's teams done after a bye week? Hashtag ask the ACC. I don't know if you that... know this off the top of your head, but I did do the research. Okay. So, 2017, we had uh, bosses both at home, one – 21 to 16 against UL Lafayette. The other one, 13 to 7 against Coastal Carolina. That was obviously Jason Petrino's first. Those were both. Those were both very bad losses. Losing to Lafayette at home uh, honestly changed it. It it changed the context of last season. That was a really bad loss. And then obviously Coastal Carolina, which is Mason's first start, still a one possession game. I mean that one. That was playing. Obviously, it would have gone the other way. Um, and then a lot of people argue if maybe Colton got in there, it would have gone differently as well. Uh, 2016, the, the bowl year, both were wins. One was at UL Lafayette, 23-13. And then the other was a win at South Alabama, which was a 38-31 win. So in 2016, he was 2-0 after five. Impressive. Then 2015, we had the win at Troy, 19-16, which is that incredible game where the team didn't even get in until – like, was it like four hours before the game or something ridiculous? Yeah. Yeah. And then 2014 and 2013, both uh, our bye weeks were losses there. 2014, it was a loss at Arkansas State, 28-44. Loss at Appalachian State, 28-45. And in Paul's first year, it was a loss at Ole Miss, 14-59. And at Florida State, 14-8. 2013, aside, I mean – I think it goes to show where he has good teams and quarterbacks in. He does all right. You could argue that 2017, it was easily should have been else, which, you know, puts him at a five and two record. Um, otherwise, as it stands, it's, it's a little bit worse. I don't know. It's going to be different. And I think the emotion is going to be there with it being the big sky opener, but obviously it's not at home. 
and he doesn't seem to fare very well on the road in, in Bywood. Yeah, I mean, last year at the loss to, to, to Lafayette uh, on homecoming, which is so deflating and depressing because uh, with the way that the, the defense played and that the way we let Lafayette just do anything they wanted when the quarterback wanted to run, and it was so, it was so deflating. It, it just seemed like they were not prepared defensively at all for a mobile quarterback. You know, hopefully we're more prepared um, the defense isn't the strength of the team anymore. Um, it should be. If we're not prepared offensively, if if Paul still doesn't know what he's doing with both quarterbacks, if, if he can't tailor the offense to both quarterbacks, which I think he did a good job of that against Western, Mex- Mich- uh, Western New Mexico. I don't know, Western Michigan. Western New Mexico. Like, if, if he's not able to do that, then he has failed. You and utilizing the bye week, so I expect us to kind of come out fresh offensively and have both quarterbacks know what they're doing and have the offense tailored to both of their different skill sets. All right, and then it takes us to our last um, hashtag AskTATC of the week. This one coming from Lawrence Smith at DL Smith ninety three. In your first podcast, you said Idaho should immediately compete for Big Sky and national championship. Would you say that you underestimated the level of play in the FBS or overestimated Idaho or both? Uh, see that 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 requires context. If you're if if he was responding to the piece that I wrote that you might have mentioned, I don't like expect us to like win the big sky. I just expect us to be competitive, be able to beat some of these better teams and be in that conversation at least this year i mean the program should be expected to build itself up to the point where look okay at least starting next season we should expect to hey uh, when people are picking their schools to win the big sky a couple people should be picking us you know we should be in that conversation as far as this year i mean of course we're not better than eastern washington I don't think we should win the Big Sky, but we should be in the Montana State game. We should be in the Eastern Washington game. We should be in the, you know, the the Northern Arizona game. Yeah, yeah, I'd say, because, yeah, I'm not sure if he means you exactly or I referenced it or I said it. Uh, I guess from my contact point of view or context, point of view if I did say it yes kind of what Sean said in the fact that immediately can in my opinion mean within the next five years we should be in the conversation but that being said we're one of the top paid not the top paid coach in the SBS or I hope we're going to be able to generate I think we should be able to win I think we're still in competition now to be honest I don't think anything has really changed like I said for Fresno State was deflated and I really don't think we beat Western New Mexico as much as we should have. And it was closer than it should have for a long time. So are things trending down in my immediate opinion of Idaho as far as immediately competing? Yes. However, that being said, Youngstown State was nothing to brag about. The year they went to the championship. And competing doesn't necessarily mean winning. I think this year we easily compete for the Big Sky Championship. And if we make the playoffs, that could be considered competing for in a tournament to compete for. Now, did I maybe get a little hot to trot and think maybe in one or two years we would win the actual whole banana? Yes. 
but that's preseason getting hype homer me now to step back take a look at it watch the game i don't think we're there yet we'd have to improve a lot over the next coming weeks to really get into the national championship realistic picture i think if we make the playoffs that's considered competing in my opinion and i'm still not convinced that we might not win the big sky I don't think we're a favorite anymore, maybe even a top four or five team in it. But, I mean, we'll see. Like I said, our season starts with UC Davis. We put a something to UC Davis. I think the entire attitude on the team changed. It's still a little too early to really see if we overestimated Idaho or underestimated the FCS. And I think if I did have to pick one of them, it's obviously a little bit of both. I think the FCS was better than a lot of us expected. But, you know, that being said, we haven't played anybody in the FCS yet. So, cool. so yeah, that's, that's all we got for hashtag AskTATC. For you folks at home that want to get involved, all you have to do on Twitter or Facebook is use hashtag AskTATC. We'll pull your questions every week and address them. Uh, now we're going to move into the corner stool takes. That was weird with the bye week. I don't know if you guys have any corner stool takes. In case, uh, I know, Martin, you won't be able to make it on next week. So maybe maybe you give yourself one for uh, for the UC Davis game. And, Sean, I don't know what your plan is next week. But uh, maybe give a give a hot take just in case. My take, my corner stool take, Colton, uh, let's say this seems kind of a homer thing, but I kind of think Colton goes off on – Colton passes for uh, at least 200 yards against UC Davis. That seems kind of basic, but it's kind of where I'm looking at. That's what I kind of happened. And he hasn't, you know, hit 200 yet, so that's still kind of hot. Sean, you got a corner stool take for us? I'm not sure, man. I just, I, I just have no – I'm still so confused about – maybe I'll take it out of football and I'll go to uh, soccer. You know, I know we talked about the other sports a little bit earlier, but uh, uh, I do want to give a shout-out to the new coach, uh, Jeremy Clevenger. I think uh, he's done a good job kind of taking what, what Derek Pittman built. And, uh, you know, they've played some, some attractive soccer early. You know, they've played a lot of good teams, and they've, and they've competed. And uh, my take is that this soccer team is going to make it to the Big Sky Championship game this year. That's my take. I think this team's still talented, and I think the way they play is is, is pretty damn good. I think Idaho soccer is going to go to the Big Sky title game. Okay. Perfect. I like that. I'm just going to roll through my SBS fan station pick them real quick, and then if you guys want, we'll do a little Big Sky pick them, and then we'll, we'll close it down. Right. Uh, FCS fans nation pick them. I finished 5-1 last week. TJ finished 4-2. and two. This week, I have Weber State taking – or South Dakota State at Weber State. I have Weber – Rhode Island at UConn. I have UConn. Towson at Villanova. I'm taking Nova. San Diego at Harvard. I'm taking Harvard. Savannah State at Howard. I'm taking Howard. Montana at Western Illinois. I'm taking Montana. North Dakota at, or North Dakota at Sam Houston State. I'm taking Sam Houston State. Nichols at McNeese. I'm taking Nichols. Big Sky last week. TJ went eight and two. Chris, 10 and zero. Oh. This week, Brown at Cal Poly. I'll take Cal Poly. Who do you got taken? Cal Poly. Poly. UC Davis at number nine, Stanford. Stanford? <laughs> I, I hope it's UC Davis, but it's Stanford. Yeah, but I, I, I saw like, earlier, like, Bryce Love is, isn't playing, but it'll still, it'll still be Stanford, though. Stanford is Stanford. Uh, Wagner at Montana State. I'm taking Montana State. MSU. Yeah, Montana State. Northern Arizona at Missouri State, part of that um, Missouri Valley Big Sky Challenge. 
Uh, Missouri State. I'll go NAU. Taking the Lumberjacks as well. NAU. Sac State at Northern Colorado. Conference game. Uh, Northern Colorado. Uh, I'll go Sac State. I'm going Sac State. Just because I think Northern Colorado put it all on the field last week against South Dakota and still lost. They're going to be a little deflated. Uh, College of Idaho at Portland State. Screw it. I'll go College of Idaho. <laughs> Portland State. <laughs> I'm taking the Coyotes, baby. I'm with Sean on this. Go Yokes. Uh, Idaho State at Cal. Cal. Cal by 98 points. Yeah. I'll, I'll round down and say 86 points. But, yeah, Cal. Southern Utah at Arizona. U of A. I, hold on. <laughs> Arizona is so bad. Uh, Kevin Sumlin's trying to turn Cole Tate into a pocket quarterback, which is silly. Arizona, but it it's they're nervous about it. Yeah. And I do think if Southern Utah didn't have to play Oregon State the week before, I think this would be a lot closer. But I think even though it was Oregon State, and I think they're better than Arizona – I just think, once again, they just don't have the horses. And Zona will finally get their first win of the season. And then I picked them earlier, but we'll roll down them for you guys. South Dakota at Weber State, part of the Missouri Valley Challenge. Uh, Weber State, big one for them at home. Weber. And then maybe the biggest one, the hated Grizzlies. One of the top teams in the country all of a sudden at Western Illinois, the team that just beat Little Montana just a few weeks ago. They're at Western Illinois? They're at Western Illinois. I think they lose. Yeah, I'll go Western Illinois as well. Ooh, all right. I like that. You guys going with the upset. All right. Well, we got you guys in for the Big Sky. We got to talk a little bit of university and Big Sky openings. We got to talk about the game. It was a it was a successful pod. We debuted some new unis. But time to close down the bar. Uh, I know some people were expecting former player interviews today. Uh, but obviously, this podcast is already pretty long. So adding interviews would just make it longer. Luckily, we don't have a game to review next week, so we'll have some players in there. We do have one player person confirmed from the 2009 humanitarian bowl winning Idaho Vandal team, so uh, we're looking for a couple others, but uh, we'll have some interviews scheduled for you. Uh, but yeah, that's it. If you guys want to give any plugs, Sean, Martin, what do you guys got going in your life that you want the people to know about? Nothing much. Just uh, appreciate them reading our sites and Hanging out with us, talk vandals. If anything, maybe check out my Twitter account for the YouTube for like the band halftime show. So you can't make it to the game if you want to watch the watch the band and all the hard work they put in. Check out my YouTube channel. Yeah, and how do how do they find you on YouTube? What's the name? Uh, my name just Martin Heemstra, and it should pop. It should be like the one that should be the first one that pops up. Perfect. Yeah, when you type in Martin Heemstra and you see a ton of band stuff, go hit the red subscribe button and the bell so you get notified for free every time he posts a new video. And then Sean was being modest. He's writing articles all the time on the Vandals. So if you're not reading the site and you're only listening to the podcast, go check out the website because Sean gives way more in-depth analysis than I ever can. <laughs> so make sure you go check out www.tubsattheclub.com. And if you just can't get enough of me, uh, I was a featured guest on the FCS Fans Nation podcast last week with the Montana Mint and the voice of the Northern Colorado Bears. So if you just can't get enough of me and you want to listen to last week's podcast, you can go find me on the FCS Fans Nation Big Sky Preview Podcast. Anyways, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. 
it's going to feel weird not having Vandal football already this early, but uh, enjoy your weekend off. Catch some other games. Maybe go watch some of those FBS games we kind of miss. And just enjoy your time off because we hit the ground running. No more bye weeks until we hit the championship. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you guys all next week.